Well, good morning. Welcome to Warehouse Church. It is good to have you guys with us today. If you're joining us online, it's good to have you there as well. Um, we are in week three of this series that we're calling Anxious for Nothing. And um, I've gotten a lot of feedback over the past couple of weeks about this series. And I uh, just want to thank you guys for giving that feedback. What I realized is that anxiety and stress really affect more people than we likely want to believe. Um, I'd also like to thank you all for allowing me, me to be so transparent and honest from the front um, with my own anxieties and my own struggles. Um, many of my pastoral friends, uh, they don't have that same kind of opportunity. Uh, most churches expect their pastors to be perfect or pretty close at least, uh, but that's not the same here at Warehouse Church. And so I thank you for allowing me to be so transparent. You know, one of our core values at Warehouse Church is that we live real. Like that's one of our core values. We've decided along the way that it's really important to us to be honest about who we are. It's really important to us to, to be honest about where we stand. It's, it's important to us to, to be honest about our sin and our, our failures, our shortcomings. It's, it's, it's important to us that we're honest about who we are so that God can transform us into who he wants us to be. Like that's the purpose. The first step in transformation is being real about who you are, where you are along the path and along the journey. None of us have made it. None of us have arrived at that step that's like, we're here. We no longer sin. We no longer struggle. Therefore, we have to be honest about who we are so that we can be transformed into who God wants us to be. So I thank you so much for allowing me to be transparent with you from the front here. We're looking at this thing called anxiety and we're taking a holistic approach. That means that, that we realize that, that anxiety is confusing. We realize that, that, that it can be spiritual, it can be physical, it can be emotional, it can be mental. It can be all these things and we realize that. And I'm not qualified to talk about anxiety from a medical standpoint. I don't have any doctoral degrees or anything like that. So I'm not going to talk about it from, a, from a, um, uh, a medical standpoint, but I can talk about it from a spiritual standpoint and I can talk about it from a holistic standpoint. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about it from a spiritual standpoint and from a holistic standpoint. The scripture that we're using in this particular series is found in the book of Philippians. And in the, it's the context of the scripture that really makes it the most powerful. Like understanding how it was written, when it was written, where it was written, and why it was written. It's really, really the meat behind the, 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 the power of these particular scriptures that we read from week to week. The book of Philippians is written by the Apostle Paul. If you are new to the, to the series or new to, to this uh, particular book, uh, written by the Apostle Paul, and Paul, one of Paul's main goals in life was to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in Rome. You see, Paul thought that if he got to Rome then, and he preached the gospel, then the gospel would spread throughout the entire world. Like Rome was the place that he needed to be in order to preach the gospel. And so that was one of his main priorities. He believed that he could influence a big portion of the world if he could just get to Rome and preach the gospel. Well, the problem is Paul got to Rome, but he didn't get to Rome as a preacher. Instead, he got to Rome as a prisoner. He found himself in prison. He found himself locked up as he was writing this letter to the, to the church in Philippi or to the Philippians. He's writing it under 24 hour a day guard because he's chained up to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. 
Day to day, he had no idea if he was going to live or die. He had no idea what they were going to do to him. He didn't know if they were going to beat him that day. He didn't know if he was going to get to eat that day. He didn't know any of those things. So every single day could be his last day, could be the end of his life. If there's anyone that's ripe for anxiety, it's the Apostle Paul in this moment, right? Like he is ripe for anxiety. He's sitting in a a prison cell, wrongfully accused, awaiting judgment. He is, if there's anyone ripe for, for anxiety, it's him. And here's the crazy thing. It's in that context where Paul should have been one of the most anxious men in the entire world. It's in that context when he pins these words. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. I mean, in in any world that you live in, can you imagine a man in this particular situation dealing dealing with what he's dealing with Pinning those words, rejoice in the Lord out of a place where he could have been overwhelmed with anxiety, overcome with angst and tension and weight, even breathlessness. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Listen, that's an amazing thing to put on your coffee cup, isn't it? That's an amazing slogan to put on your coffee cup and you see it in the morning time when you wake up, you put your, uh, your coffee in your cup and you see that it's pretty amazing. It's a powerful verse for a greeting card, isn't it? It's something that you want to send to someone to kind of uplift them, things like that. It's an unbelievable verse to quote to friends. Like when your friend is having a difficult time, it's really important it's to, to, to quote that particular verse. It's a great one for you to memorize. But I hate it when it comes to my own life and someone says to me in the midst of a trial in my life, rejoice. Like, get out of my face. I can't hear that right now, right? I'm overcome and overwhelmed with anxiety right now. And that's the last thing I want to hear. When someone comes, really, Paul? Really? How can you even say in the midst of all that I'm going through right now, how can you say rejoice? How can I rejoice? What am I supposed to rejoice about? Do you ever feel that? Is it just me? Am I alone up here? You ever feel that feeling like you got, like the world is crashing down around you? And someone says rejoice, and you're thinking, you almost get angry. Like, how can you tell me to rejoice? Like, Paul, like, how, how could you do this in the midst of what you were going through? There's just too much. Just too much. I'm just dealing with too much. And Paul says to rejoice when you lose your job. Paul says to rejoice when you find out your spouse has been lying to you. Paul says to rejoice when you you get that terrible diagnosis. Paul says rejoice when you get a flat tire and you're out on the highway in the middle of the evening and you get a flat tire and it starts to rain. He says rejoice. Paul says to rejoice when you don't have enough money for that thing that you've been waiting to buy for so long. Rejoice. Paul goes on to say, rejoice in the Lord always. And it's like your mom when she tells you to do something and you don't listen the first time. He says, I'll say it again, rejoice. Because I really want you to hear what I'm saying, Paul says. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. He goes on to say, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving... Present your request to God. And then here's the promise. The peace of God, 
which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart in Christ Jesus. How could he praise God when, he, when all he wanted was to go to Rome and preach the gospel? Like, why is God letting him down now, right? That's, that's what I would think. If I were Paul, why are you letting me down, Lord? I want to go to Rome and preach your gospel. Yet I'm here as a prisoner. The answer to this, why Paul feels the way that he feels, and he says, rejoice in the Lord always, is found in perspective. Because it's all about perspective. The title for today's message is Perspective of Praise. Perspective of Praise. What does perspective mean? Perspective very simply means how you look at something or how you see something. Like the lens that you see it through. In other words, two different people can look at the same thing and, and see two, two separate things. Depending on the perspective that they are looking through. As a matter of fact, I saw this meme. I don't know if you guys have seen it online anywhere, but there's a, there's a six or a nine on the floor somewhere and there's two people standing on each side and one says it's a nine, the other says it's a six, but it's all about the perspective, right? What are you looking at? It's all about perspective. In fact, the root word for perspective is perceive. In Latin, perceive literally means to look through. That's very important for today's message. Remember those lines, to look through. To look through. Let me give you an example. When I was younger, there were these things called magic eyes. Y'all ever heard of these before? If you haven't heard of what of this particular name, you're going to know this image, right? When I was growing up, we had our binders. I don't know if y'all remember this or not, but even your three ring binders in school had these things on them, right? And they look really weird. And you're like, what in the cat hair is that? And you don't understand it. And you're just like, and somebody will come up to you and they'll be like, Oh, I saw dolphins in that. And I'm like, how did you see dolphins? And I always thought they were lying. Like, you are totally lying. You're pulling my leg. There's no way that you could ever see anything in that. All it looks like is just a bunch of random, you know, graphics. Just a bunch of random junk. Looks like my son probably painted something. And that's just what it looks like. And so I always thought people were lying. I never could see anything in it. I never could. You know, I was tr always trying to, but I never could see anything. I just thought people were lying. And then one day... One day, just at the right time, just in the right situation, I picked this binder up from my friend's desk. I put it in front of my face, and I started looking at it, and I started looking at it. And they told me, all you have to do is look, like, look at it really close and then start pulling it back, and you'll start seeing it, right? I thought, okay, I'll try it. So I put it really close to my face, and I started pulling it back. My eyes started going like this, but I just kept going anyway, right? All of a sudden, I, I felt myself kind of like a daydreaming stare. Like I wasn't really look. I was looking at it, but it wasn't. I was looking through it for some reason. Like I just kind of had had found that place, and there it was. There were the dolphins. They just pop right off the page. Has anybody else ever did that? Like anybody else? Saint James is the only one. Okay, great. I'm preaching to James today. All right. I finally saw what was right in front of me the whole time, when I changed my perspective. Like. Usually it was laying on a desk somewhere and I just saw it and I looked at it and I couldn't understand it. But the moment that I picked it up for the first time and I started looking at it and I changed my perspective, 
all of a sudden I saw the dolphins. And this one is the one that, that was up on the screen. I'll show it to you later. It works too. It's not dolphins. It's just like wavy lines, but it works. The question I have for you today that kind of relates to that is how do you see your problems that, that are making you anxious? Like, how do you see them? Like, I'm telling you today that you have to change your perspective. You have to change your perspective. You have to look through them. Whatever it is that's making you anxious, it's all about perspective. I want to talk to you today about perspective of praise. The Apostle Paul could have looked at his situation at face value, and he could have said something like this. And, you know, forgive me if these are not words that you would use every day. But the Apostle Paul, knowing what Paul knew and in the situation that Paul was in, Paul could have said this. Paul could have said, now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know that what has happened to me really sucks. Like, it just, it's terrible. I hate it. I don't like it. God really let me down this time. He really let me down this time. I'm overwhelmed with anxiety and depression and hopelessness because of all this junk that I've been going through. I'm leaving the church and I'm never coming back. I'm just, I'm done with it. God, you know, I was going to, to Rome to preach the gospel and God didn't even help me get to Rome. And so I'm just done. I'm just leaving it. Can you relate to that? Now, don't, don't say it out loud, please. Can you relate to that? Are there times in your life that you're like, man, I've been working so hard and I've been, I've been you know, playing in the praise band, I've been singing, I've been going to church, I've been attending groups at the church, I've been serving, and man, I just can't catch a break. I just can't catch a break. I'm done. I'm just, God, I'm just angry with you. Why, why are you doing this? I know some pretty negative Nancys in my life. If your name's Nancy, I apologize in advance, but I know some pretty negative Nancys. It seems like the sky's always falling, right? Just always falling, because that's the perspective. But you know, that's not what Paul said. Getting back to the scripture, instead, what the apostle Paul did was he looked at a very bad situation in his life, and he saw it through a perspective of praise. He looked at a very real, very negative, very bad situation in his life. I'm not minimizing the situation that Paul was in because it was bad. I mean, it was just bad. He didn't know if he was going to live or die. And in this moment when he's pinning these words, we didn't know what we knew about the Apostle Paul and how his life was going to continue and what was going to happen. And so in this moment, Paul had no idea what was going to happen to him. So I'm not minimizing the situation that he was in, but he looked at this situation and he chose, he chose, he made a conscious decision to choose to see this situation through a perspective of praise. We're going to rejoice in the Lord always, always through a perspective of praise. And, and Paul said this in the first chapter, as he's pinning these lines in the book of Philippians or to, the, to the church in Philippi, as he's pinning these lines, some of the first things that he said while he's imprisoned, in the first chapter he said this in, in verse 12, he said, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What's going on in my life has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Paul could have been so negative about this and like, why did God let me down? Why did God do this? And why isn't he bringing me out of this? But Paul chose to see this through a pers perspective of praise. In other words, through a perspective of praise, you might look at this situation and think, well, I didn't feel like it was good. 
I thought it was really, really bad. But when I realized that my God will never leave me, it changed the way I thought about this situation. When I realized that my God will never forsake me, it changed the way that I thought about this situation. When I realized that no weapon formed against me will prosper, it made me change the way I see this situation. My God is working all things together for my good. That's not some things. If you are a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, you have given and surrendered your life to him. The Bible teaches us that he works all things together for our good. Of the, for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. Therefore, if we have a perspective of praise, Paul's saying, I, I see what had happened here, and I could be really upset about it, but it served to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has served to advance the gospel. In fact, for a long time, they thought Paul was the prisoner. Like for a long time, they thought Paul was the one that was the prisoner. They had no idea that they were locking up some of the most influential Roman leaders to Paul for eight hours a day so that he could preach to them. They didn't know that. Like they thought Paul was the prisoner. But the truth is that Paul was being used to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's all about perspective of praise. Some historical uh, theologians believe, and many scholars believe, that the jailer and the guards that Paul was chained to were some of the first converts for the church in Philippi. Because it's all about a perspective of praise. You can look at the, the very same situation and say, this is bad. This is really bad. It's not good. I can't stand this. I can't make it through this. I just don't know how I'm going to continue. Like I just, I want to give up. I want to throw my hands up in the air. Or you can have a perspective of praise and know that God, I know you're working things together for my good. I know you're never going to leave me. I know you're never going to forsake me. What's happened to me actually served to advance the gospel. What's so powerful about this story in regards to Paul is that this wasn't the first time that Paul was chained up and imprisoned. As a matter of fact, we read Paul being in prison quite a bit throughout the New Testament, and there are probably other instances where Paul was in prison that we don't even know about because they're not recorded in the Gospels. In Acts chapter 16, there was Paul, and he had his friend Silas there with him. Paul and Silas, and they were going to, to their life groups, essentially. They were on the road. They were heading to their life groups. And all of a sudden, they came up upon this woman, and um, this woman, they, they cast a demon out of this woman, right? And so when they cast the demon out, like literally all heck broke loose. Like things started going crazy. There was a big fight. And, 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 and so Paul and Silas were, were like, they were a part of this, and everybody was looking at them, and they thought they were the ones that, that kind of started it all. And so they put them in prison. The magistrates, they, they literally gathered them together and, and beat them up. And not only the magistrates, the, those that were in charge there, but also the crowd gathered in. And so everybody was kicking them and hitting them and punching them. And they probably had bruised you know, faces and maybe faces disfigured and all that stuff. Everything was really bad for them, right? The Bible says in Acts 16, 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Stripped and beaten with rods. Well, I'm hoping that none of you are stripped and beaten with rods this week. At least for, you know, anyway, I'm not going to go there. I thought I was going to make a joke, but we're not in the mood for that, are we? <laughs> but there are some of you that are going to be beaten and stripped of your confidence this week. 
There are some of you that are going to be stripped of your faith this week because of situations going on in your life. You're trying to have faith, but you just can't find it. You're going to be beaten down with anxiety this week. You're going to be beaten down with doubts this week. You're doing everything you can to hold on to your faith, but the anxiety just feels so real that it just keeps nipping at your heels over and over and over. And you're going to be stripped of that confidence or that hope or that faith this week. But Paul and Silas, they were doing everything right. Man, they were doing everything right. They were, they were preaching the gospel. They were going out. They were making converts. And they were seeing people come to life in Christ. Yet they were beaten and thrown into prison unjustly. Unjustly. All of this because they were serving the Lord. You know, we Christians, we tend to get into a little pity party from time to time. Don't we? In bad things, the Bible doesn't tell us that our life is going to be made of roses and peaches, Right? And so when something bad happens in our lives and we're faithfully serving the Lord, we start to have a little pity party. But God, I've done this for you, but I've done that for you. I've been so faithful and I've been, I've been doing all these things. And why can't you just help me out a little bit here? We start having a pity party. We're really good at that. If anyone needed to have a pity party, it was Paul and Silas. They had every right to be frustrated and anxious. They had every reason to be upset and, and, and angry or depressed. And so what they do, like they had this moment where they've been preaching and they've been serving the Lord and, and they were imprisoned, imprisoned unjustly and beaten and stripped and beat with rods and all that. So what they do, like what they do in this moment when they could have done anything, They've been bruised and they've been beaten and, 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 and violently the crowds just tore them apart. You want to know what they did next? Paul and Silas, they had a worship night. Like literally, all this in the midst of everything that's going on, imprisoned unjustly, beaten and stripped, they said, hey, let's just have a prison, or let's just have a, a worship night. It's kind of like the equivalent of, of you and I finding out that someone uh, has a serious illness in our family and you say to each other, hey, let's go worship the Lord. It's kind of what it would be like. And how did they do that? Like, how did they rise above their circumstances? How did they rise above their circumstances to worship God? I was talking to a friend uh, recently, and, and he was sharing with me about a pretty major situation in his life. Um, and I'm not downplaying the situation at all because, I mean, it, it, it's not good. You know, in his life, it's just not good. It was bad, and, and, and I don't know, like there are sometimes, and I'm not normally this person. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not normally this person, but in, in some moments, I feel like inspired by the Holy Spirit, I can be pretty positive about things. Like I can, I can be, you know, uplifting and positive about certain things, but, um, and so in this particular situation, I was, I was helping him see the good in his life. Like this is what's going on that's good. This is what's happening in your life. That's good. It doesn't work very well in my life, in my own situations, right? Like, that's why we don't like it. Like, we want to encourage everyone else, but when it comes to our lives, like, we just want to, like, just kind of be in that moment where we're just sad and upset and frustrated. But when I was talking to my friend, I started pointing out that while his situation was really bad, don't forget about all the good things in your life. Don't forget about your family. You have a family that loves you dearly. You have, you have friends that absolutely adore you. You have a job that you love passionately. 
people care for you deeply, a church family that literally would do anything in the world to, to help you. You're healthy. You're loved. There's so many things that are going right in your life. The reason that he was panicking and feeling anxious was because he was looking at what was wrong in his life. The reason that he was panicking and feeling frustrated and anxious was because he was looking at the wrong. He forgot to keep his eyes on what was right as well. Because why? It's all about perspective. It's all about perspective in our lives. How could Paul and Silas, after they had been beaten and falsely accused, go ahead and just worship God? Like, how could they probably, I can just imagine in this moment, their eyes are swollen shut, but in their head, they probably have bruises all over them, cuts and bangs, and where the rods had been swapping on their, 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 um, their legs and their, their sides. I can just imagine what they might have looked like raising their hands in the middle of this prison cell, worshiping God. Like, how could they do that? Maybe Paul leaned over to Silas and said, well, there's a lot of bad, but at least we're not dead yet. There's a lot of bad, but at least we're not dead yet. And if we're not dead, then he's not done. If we're not dead, he's not done. If you got a lot of bad in your life, at least you can say, I'm not dead, so he's not done. I'm not dead, and so he's not done. You can look at it from a different perspective. And that's what they did. That's what Paul and Silas did. The verse 25 says this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. What was happening? The gospel was being advanced. Why? Because Paul and Silas, in the midst of their circumstances, in the midst of their hurt, in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their anxiety, they're worshiping God. Not because what God has done for them... What I want you to notice, and this literally changes everything. If you don't hear anything else that I say today, I want you to, to hone in on what I'm talking about right now. These men were praising God in prison. Okay? In other words, God had not delivered them out of prison yet. They were praising God in prison, in chains. There was no miracle. Hear me when I say this. Because they weren't praising God for the what, they were praising God for the who. Can you hear me today? They weren't praising God because the miracle hadn't happened yet. They were still in chains. They were still bleeding. They were probably lying on the floor in certain instances, feeling like an absolute wreck or an absolute disaster, maybe with a major headache, not knowing what was going to happen, when it was going to happen. They weren't praising God for what? Because the miracle hadn't happened yet. They were praising God for the who because they were praised before provision. Praise before provision. This was praise for the character and the nature of the goodness of God. It wasn't praise for what they had seen. It was just praise for who God is. Guys, that's a deeper kind of praise. That's a deeper kind of praise. Listen, I mean, honestly, we can stand up. I could stand up here and tell you all day long about all the amazing things that God has done for me. I could stand up here and list them off one by one. I'm thinking about that song now. All the blessings, I can count them one by one. Every single blessing that he has given me. But here's the thing. If he had never blessed me a single time in my entire life, I still owe him all my praise. Every breath out of my mouth, 
I owe him my praise. Because I'm not praising God because what he's done for me. That's just icing on the cake. We need to praise God for who he is. The character of God. The goodness of God. It's praise before provision. Praise before provision. Here's a spoiler alert. If you don't know what happens in this story, while Paul and and Silas are, are praising God for who he is, like praise before provision, God shows up in a miraculous way and he shakes the earth and the prison doors fly open and all the prisoners, literally all of the, 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 the uh, uh, restraints fall from their arms and they're all able to go freely, right? Paul and Silas are able to walk out of that prison freely that evening because of a miraculous work in the Lord or from the Lord. Why do I tell you this now? Why did I give you that spoiler alert? Because knowing what God has done for Paul before, like understanding what Paul has done for Paul, uh, for, I'm sorry, God has done for Paul before, and that once again, Paul is in prison in Philippians chapter four in Rome, but God hasn't freed him, brings way more power to the proof, to the truth of what Paul says when he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. Because Paul knew that God had the power to deliver him from the exact same problem that he had had before. Right? Paul and Silas were in prison before and God delivered them out of the prison. So Paul knew that God had the power to do it. But God didn't. And Paul still offered him praise. God hadn't delivered him. And Paul still offered God praise. Why? Because Paul praises God for the who. Not for the what. It's all about perspective. Rejoice when he delivers you. Rejoice when he doesn't. Rejoice when he doesn't because praise is not for the what. It's not for what we see. Praise is for the one who can do all things. The one who is. The one who always will be. It's just a deeper kind of praise. It's all about your perspective. You have to look through the pain. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. You have to look through the anxiety. Just as I did when I was looking at that magic eyes, when I was a much younger kid. You have to look through it to the other side. You have to see through what's right in front of your face that's causing you anxiety or depression or frustration or hurt. It's all about your perspective and you have to look through the pain. Look through the situation and see how God, what God is doing and what God is, is doing in your life and in you right now is actually serving to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's there. Every single time it's there, you just have to rise above the pain and the anxiety to see it. God never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a hurt. Can we just try something Like, I've been thinking about this all week long, honestly. Like, I've just, I've been thinking about it all week long. And I want, I want you to try something with me. I'm going to ask the worship team to begin to play in um, the song that they've chosen uh, to close out today's service. And I want, I'm going to ask you to, to get involved with me at the end of the service here. I'm going to ask you to try something with me. But before that, we're going to read some scripture together. Here's the scripture behind the story that I gave you the spoiler alert to earlier. 
The Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Guys, that's a miracle. God provided a miracle to Paul and Silas. Can we just try this together? I mean, I'm not looking for anything major. I just want you to, 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 to try this with me. Can we just try to give God praise regardless of our circumstances? Just in this moment. Can we rise above our anxieties and the things that are stressing us out in this moment and just praise God for who He is? Because I believe that it's going to help us change our perspective. And we desperately need perspective change. If you're feeling anxious today, don't look around you. If you're feeling anxious about something, just stand to your feet. Just stand. If you're feeling stressed about a situation in your life, just stand. If you're feeling stuck and worn out and you don't know how you're going to go on, just, just stand for a moment. Let's just take a moment and worship God for who He is because it will change our perspective. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, before we even pray them, God. I pray, Lord, you just give us a moment to rise above the circumstances of this world and just worship you for who you are. exalt you, Lord. We lift our praise to you. You are our God and we are your people. We worship you, Lord. We worship you because you are so good. You created the entire universe with the spoken word. You spoke the universe into existence. us into your family before the foundations of this world. Your great master plan. You created us. We, we ran away from you. We sinned. We did things against you, God. And you sent your son, Jesus. 
because you love us that much. You sent your son Jesus to reconcile us back to you, God, because you love us. We worship you, God. No situation in our life is more important than our relationship with you. No sickness in our life is more important than your gospel. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, God. It's in your name we pray. I just ask you to keep your eyes closed and throw your hands up to God and let's worship him in this moment.